Today we are back in the series I'm entitling Heart Attack. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're looking at verses 27 through 30. Now, don't let that first slide confuse you. When you first look at that, that is the whole series. We're looking at verses 21 through 48. But today we're looking at verses 27 through 30. And when we think about this verse, Jesus is walking us through what has been said and then what he says to that. Um, when, a couple of things as we look through this in just a moment. You've heard this phrase, the eyes are the window to the soul. Right? You've probably heard that before, the eyes are the window to the soul. You've also heard that idle hands are the work of the devil. And you know, idle mind is also the playground of the devil. I've heard both of those two things before. But today, we're looking, at, um, we're looking at the heart again. And so many of us, a lot of times, all we do is evaluate someone from the outside. We evaluate their actions, but we can't see their heart. You know, uh, God was speaking to uh, Samuel when he told him, he says, man looks on the outside of a person, but I look on the heart. And God does, has not stopped looking at the heart even today. And he looks at the heart in, for the positive and to reprove the negative. To reprove the sin, not just negative. You know, today we, we don't want to say the word, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say the word sin. And there is sin in each and every individual's life that needs to be confessed before the Lord, called out before Him by name what those sins are. Not all sins, you don't have to come tell me. I'm not your priest, I'm your pastor. You take those things for the Lord. He's our He's our pastor he is the chief shepherd he is our priest our, he's all those things we go to him now if you need to come to me to ask me to help you through something you're struggling with listen that's what God has me here for but I'm gonna tell you something I can't grant you forgiveness only Jesus can I can grant you resources and help through the word of God but God is the one you go to when you're dealing with sin of the heart and today we are here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30, looking at the topic of adultery and lust, verses 27 through 30. And this, of, of all you, this is not something new, guys. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. This is not something new. People think that pornography is something new to our generation. It might not be that it was uh, in print or as accessible as it is now, but it's been around for a long time. Lust and sin has been around for a very long time. And I want to tell you that we, for us to curb this sin, you have got to take it to the Lord. This is men and women alike. This is not a sin that only men battle with. Although most of the time it is tossed onto us men, and rightfully so, most of the time we're very susceptible to this, to lust. So, but yet women are just as susceptible to lust as men are. And the Lord speaks to those that are battling this sin. And in verses 27 and 28, I've entitled these two verses, The Sin to Be Addressed. All of our sins will be addressed, but the Lord Jesus addresses our sins in the first two verses here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 in 28, the Lord Jesus says this in verse 27. 
You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his where? Heart. This is the point of this series is heart attack. The Lord comes and looks at the heart. The God, God looks on the heart for the stature of the man, for the morals of the man, for the foundation of the man or woman, for, the, for, the, for what is in there, the desires of our heart. Scripture tells us in, in Psalm that God will grant you the desires of your heart. You need to read the rest of that to understand the fullness of what that means. You need to dwell in his pasture lands. You've got to obey him. There's some stipulations to that. But God's going to grant you the desires of your heart. Sometimes the desires of your heart are sinful. And he's going to let you deal with that because he wants you to understand how far you can go apart from him. But I also want you to know that God is right there. He's never far from the brokenhearted. God is the one who knows where we are, even when we don't know where we are. When we think we've gone too far, God says, you've not gone too far. I'm real close. If you'll just reach out your hand to me, if you'll reach out your voice to me, if you will turn your heart toward me, I will hear and I will forgive. But this is a sin that has been around for a long, long time. Jesus says there in verse 27, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. You have heard that it was said to those of old. Now, it wasn't initially directed to you and me. Jesus is sitting here in this original language. It was written to those in the Old Testament. And then Jesus says it's written to all of you. He's talked to the disciples. Remember, this is still a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is speaking to them. And he says, "This you have heard that it was said to those of old. You've heard it. So in other words, it's been passed down through the generations. Your granddaddy and your great-granddaddy and your great-grand-granddaddy. They've all heard this. They've heard it. And it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now to commit something is to put it to an act. Is to act upon it. And we get this, this, this phrase, you shall not commit adultery, comes straight out of the seventh commandment, of the ten commandments. These had, the, everyone had heard these that were sitting on that hillside. They were, just, the vast majority of them were all Jews. They had heard all the Ten Commandments before. So he said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now, what is adultery? Usually it refers to sexual relations by a married person with a partner other than his or her spouse. But here in this language, in the uh, the Study Bible Dictionary, it says voluntary sexual intercourse of a married person with someone besides their mate. You shall not commit adultery. This is talking about the act of it. The act of it. Committing adultery. But Jesus says that's probably like the third step away from really where the sin begins. The sin doesn't begin at the act. The sin begins in the heart. The sin begins in the heart. Jesus says there in verse 28, But I say to you, I say to you, all you disciples, all of you on the mountainside, I want you to hear this. Plainly and as clearly as I can say it, Jesus says, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is saying this to the disciples. And he says that whoever, there's no restriction on the person. In today's culture, 
I want to tell you, there's more than just heterosexual, adulterous sin. Sexual sin has now been spread across a spectrum of people. It is sin. Any sexual activity outside of the marriage bond of a, one man and one female is sin. Sexual sin. Fornication. And then if it's a married person and they're sinning outside with someone else, that is adultery. That's what it's called. I can't change the language. It's what it is. It's what it means. And it says that whoever looks at a woman, the motive of the look is important. Many of you sitting in this room, you're married. Or you have been married. Something drew you to that individual first, right? Something caught your attention about that individual. It was probably how they looked, right? Because you didn't get to know their personality until you were close enough to talk to them. But something turned your eye toward that person. I don't believe there is sin in recognizing beauty the problem is, is when we lust over a body. There's nothing wrong with recognizing beauty, but there's a problem when we lust over a body. They become less than a person when you start lusting over an individual. They are no longer known by their name. They're known by their, by their body. And this is the problem with lust. Because it is prevalent in our society today. They push it as it's funny. They push it as it's cute. They push it in everything from toothpaste ads to anything else you can imagine. Lust. It's before your children, if you realize it or not. It's there. If they're in school, in a public school, it's there. If they've got a cell phone, it's there. And it might be, you might think, I don't really recognize that. Yeah, well, that's okay. You ain't got to recognize it. The devil does. And that's the whole point of it. The devil uses it to point people, to point them very young to these things. I think, it, I think Julie was showing me um, drag queen reading in a library somewhere. Or was it in a school? I can't remember. But I was like, oh, my goodness. Listen, it's getting pushed in our culture. Lust. And confusion. But I'm not preaching on confusion today. I'm preaching on lust. He says whoever looks at a woman. Now listen. Jesus is not limiting his commandments to married people. But speaking of sexual sin in general. That whoever looks at a woman to lust for her. Has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's the motive of the look. It's when you take that second glance. Or third glance. Or look in the side mirror. Whatever it may be, it's, it's lust. I've told, as, as being a youth pastor for as many years as I have, I would tell youth, I'd tell our young guys and, and our girls as well. There was a book I read many years ago, and it talked about bouncing your eyes. You, can, you, you, you notice someone who's beautiful, fine. But don't try to walk, watch them as they walk past. Don't glare them down. Don't look at them. For, the, for their body. Look at them for, their, for who they are. We need to be thinking about folks in the light of this. That's a person who's either lost or saved. They're either a child of God. Or they're not. But they're somebody's child. How many of you are, are you're a son? How many of you are a son? Every man should raise their hand. You are a son. I'm not a son of God. But you are a son. How many of you are a daughter? I'm not raising my hand. Alright. This is the thing. 
With, with lust in the heart, you see them no longer as someone's son or someone's daughter. That girl is some man's daughter. That, that boy, that young man, is some mother's son. And you're abusing them in your mind and in your heart. Because this is the thing with lust. Lust will make you think of a sexual act you're performing with that individual. And listen, you may say, this is pretty intense. It is. And I apologize for the little ears. I should have gave a warning. But the fact is this. It's, it's what happens with lust. Recognizing beauty, you're not going to go there in your mind. And I'm going to tell you, you know what's going to keep you from going there in your mind? It's what you take in your mind already. Whether it be movies, music, books and novels you read. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. They got some, they got some novels out there, women. And I, I don't know of any men that read these, okay? So don't, don't take it personal. I just know there's romance novels that women read. The men on there got their shirt off like Fabio out here with their hair blowing in the wind. Got every muscle that could protrude from their body. It, and, and then they're holding on to some woman who's scantily dressed trying to kiss her whether she wants to be or not. I don't know. But the bottom line is it's creating lust in your mind. That's right. And it's the truth. And, and we get these things. Oh, it's harmless. No, it's not. Because if you're a married woman and you're reading books like that, you're going to have something that you're gauging your husband against. And if you're a man and you're reading magazines and you get a, used to be a subscription to Sports Illustrated and that one bathing suit issue comes through there, then you got something that you're gauging your wife against. And that's not fair either. That's not fair either. It's sin, number one. But it's not fair either. We need to be mindful about what we take in, how much we take in. Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her, I've always tried my best, and I've talked to our young men in our youth group, and I'd say, when you talk to somebody, look them in the eyes. Look them in the eyes. It'll, it'll help you in so many ways. Look them in the eye. Because they're going to see, number one, that you're interested in the conversation you're having with them. They're going to think they respect me if you look someone in the eyes. And it also keeps you from wandering with your eyes which we'll talk about here in just a moment. We need to look at each people. When we have a conversation with someone, be looking in the, look them in the eyes. It's also disrespectful, too, to be looking past somebody. You understand what I'm saying? You look past somebody. We need to make sure that we're looking them in the eyes. Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Has already so if you're looking at, if you're, if you're lusting after her, you have already committed adultery. The act of it's already been done, whether it's outside of the body or not, it's already happened. Has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And this is the problem with things such as pornography in our world today. The images of what you potentially could do is already there on video or an image before you. And men, I don't know how women's minds work because I'm not one. But I know with men, we're very picture-oriented, image-oriented. And when we see something, it takes a long time for whatever that may be to get out of our heads. Whatever that may be. So if you know that the devil has a tendency to lure your eyes toward that kind of thing, you better be figuring out how to limit those things. Limit those things. Because it's hard 
It's like a Rolodex in that mind, and you can go back, and you can go back, and you can pull it up if you want to. Listen, but the thing is, though, when your heart changes for Christ, you're not going to want to. Because when that, when that devil tries to tempt you for that second or third glance, instead of just saying, that was a beautiful person, let me move on. Then you start building that Rolodex again. You've got to be cautious, men and ladies as well. Listen, it's, it's just as real. Lust is just as real for women as it is for men. We don't really point that out. Usually men get the, get the wagging of the finger about it. But listen, it's men and women alike. It's men and women alike. We need to be cautious about that. Of course, when we read texts such as this, we know that Jesus, like I said, he was speaking to the disciples, which were all what? Men. The apostles were all men. There were disciples that followed Christ that may have been women. But the apostles were men. And so those on the mountainside, the Sermon on the Mount, they were all hearing this. They understood that when they said that uh, you should, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart, they understood none of us should be doing that. None of us should be doing that. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. You shouldn't be doing that. And it's all really, all of this is about the heart. If we would spend more time in God's Word and less time in this program, this TV show, this this new Amazon Prime or this new Disney Plus or this YouTube TV or this Hulu or this Netflix uh, series that I'm watching that's putting filth and nastiness into your mind. If you would say, Lord, let me put that down. Let me get into your word. Put it down. Get in his word. In Job 31.1, he wrote, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Uh, why then should I look upon a young woman? I've made a covenant with my eyes. Maybe that's what some of us need to do today. We need to make a covenant with our eyes to say, why should I look on a young woman? Or why should I look on a young man? Or a man or a woman? It don't matter what age they are. Why should, Lord, I, I want to make a covenant today to not look with lust on my potential fellow brother or sister in Christ. And listen, that young lady will be some man's wife most likely in the future. That young man will be some lady's husband sometime in the future you are dishonoring their future marriage their spouse and listen as a father of a daughter that's 18 years old you know we've got to be thinking about that men submit your heart to the lord quit trying to be the lord of it let him be the lord of it and he'll he'll take those desires away and when when you happen to see beauty you'll say lord I give glory to you. Let me move on. <laughs> let me move on, Lord. Let my mind and heart move on to your will and your blessing. Let me, let me get away from this before the devil comes in and tempts me to think more of this, of this interaction, of this uh, scene here. That's verses 27 and 28. Now, in verse 29 and 30, the Lord Jesus, he addresses the sin. He gives the address to the sin. And, and many people over the years, I've heard people say, oh, this is just metaphorically, Jesus is not really saying that you should do this. Let me say this to you, okay? Literal self-mutilization is not Christ's objective. It is quite possible to be blind or crippled and still lust, okay? It's quite possibly blind or crippled and still lust. So when you hear this, it's not about self-mutilization, but at the same time, People in this time understood the severity of sin by what Jesus said. Listen to what he says there, verses 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out 
and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And then in verse 30, And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. Now, like I said, I don't think the Lord Jesus wants us to be mutilating ourselves. Seems like some people in this culture want kids to mutilate themselves, but God doesn't want us to mutilate ourselves. God doesn't want that to happen. God wants us to be mindful of our sin. But in this culture, that was not out of the ordinary. In Middle Eastern culture, if you stole stuff, they'd cut off a finger at a time. They'd cut off your hand eventually. That was part of the punishment. Jesus is trying to say, he's trying to say that the action of removal needs to be appropriate to the sin. Now, in today's culture, what I tell you to do is if you've got an eye that wants to sin, you need to remove yourself from situations where that may happen. I never took, I rarely, now we went to the lake with our youth group uh, and we would go there, but I never took our kids on a, on a trip that had other youth groups to the beach because my standards for their swimming suits was different from other youth pastors. And I tried to minimize it for the guys to the girls and the girls to the guys. I tried to minimize as much as I could. So I was like, I'm not taking them on beach trips. We went everywhere else. If there wasn't a beach, we probably went there, okay? But you know what? If we went to the lake, their parents were going to be there. I mean, you know, I mean, I still told them what I preferred, but their parents were there. And, but, but I want to tell you this. As much as we can reduce the opportunity for sin in our lives, we should. Take every effort to do that. And Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, plug it out. Now listen, I don't want you to go home today and do something to mutilate your body and do something disgusting, okay? And I know there's kids in the room, so I want you to understand, I don't think this is what the Lord wants us to do today. He wants us to make wise choices for the intake in our life. We've got too much phone and not enough Bible. We've got too much online and too much social media presence and not enough of the Word of God and presence in our lives we need to get back to this we need to remove the things that cause us to sin one thing about verse 29 and 30 that that you notice is like why does he say right eye and why does he say right hand because that was the most valuable uh side of the body they thought of back then of course obviously we know if you're left-handed you're in the minority there's not that many left-handed people so right-handedness meant that there was you know that's where most of the power came from they would they believed so they were trying to say that any of this we, we need to remove where the power in your body is, your power of your right eye, the power of your right hand. These things, just remove them. If it causes you to sin, take them out of your life. Take extreme measures. For us today, you might need to get rid of your cell phone altogether. You may say, well, then nobody can contact me. Go to a dumb phone. Get rid of your smartphone. Get the one that only calls and texts. It might be what you have to do. You might have to make drastic changes in your life. You might have to get rid of that HBO Max subscription that you've got on your Hulu or your whatever, your streaming device. You might have to make hard choices like that. Because you have no self-discipline for yourself day after day. But if you can make one hard decision of self-discipline, you might be able to overcome this sin. God will give you the idea about how you should handle that in your own life. 
It says, it says of these two things, whether it be the eye that caused you to sin or the hand that caused you to sin, it says pluck it out, cut it off, cast it from you. Cast it from you. I want to ask you something. Anybody ever stepped in an ant bed? Oh, yeah, you stepped in an ant bed. You know how quick you get them, get them shoes off, you're pulling them shoes off, you're pulling them socks off, you're tossing them and throwing them, you're dusting off your pants legs, you're casting them things away from you, aren't you? That's what you got to do with sin. And the sin of lust, because it's so deep in the heart, it starts in the heart and it flows out. And we've got to say, Lord, I want to cast this away from me. Get it off of me. Take those things, take those things and throw them as far as you can. Because you know what? The devil's going to draw you back to it. The devil's going to say, oh, that wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad of a picture show. That wasn't that bad of a program. You, you're, just, you're just thinking too much about it. Maybe not. Maybe not. You'll get bit a few more times. Throw it away from you. Throw it off. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you. And notice he says the exact same thing twice, which Jesus is emphasizing the value of the action to remove sin from your life. Yes, for the eye, you've got to do, the, do what it says to do. Plug it out. For the hand, cut it off. But this is the deal. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now listen, we know the body is temporary. The soul is eternal. So what he's talking about, so obviously he's not talking about so much that you've got to do that with the hand and the eye. But what he's saying is, is you've got to take drastic measures to remove this stuff from your life. And in today's culture, it is difficult to get those things out of your life. Because you'll see it, you might see it on a billboard. You might see it on an ad in a paper. You might see it on TV. You might see it wherever. I mean, it's everywhere. And if you go to a big public gathering, I'm telling you, people don't know how to dress these days. They might as well just be wearing their bed clothes out in public, some of them. Some of them are wearing their bed clothes out in public. <laughs> <clears throat> And it's sad, and it's and it's and it's and it's a draw because people want attention. People want attention, and the unfortunate thing is, is the devil wants wants you to give attention to it, but lustful attention to it. We've got to be we've got to be defenders of our heart. We got to be defenders of our heart. God's redeemed it. Let's be defenders of it. And to be defenders of our heart, we've got to make hard choices as to what we let come into our eyes. Because what comes into our eyes will eventually get into our heart. And what gets into our heart, the Bible says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're going to speak it and we're going to act upon it. And the thing about lust is lust never satisfies. Lust is, ne it is never satisfied and it will never satisfy you. Why is it that people are so confused today in our culture? Because lust. Lust is never satisfied. Today, we have got to choose to step away, cast the sin away from us. Your sin might not be, listen, your sin might not be lust. You might not have lust to the point of adultery. But you might have another sin. And we're going to address a lot of these here in the next few weeks. Jesus talks about these. But to be able to battle strong and to be able to overcome them, you've got to have Christ in your life. We have got to have Christ in our life to overcome these sins. These sins that so easily ensnare us. Throw them off. 
throw them off, cast them away. Today, you can cast that sin away. Give it to God. The Bible tells us that he will throw our sins as far as the east is from the west into the depths of the ocean. He'll cast that sin away from you. All you've got to do is cry out to him and say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me from where I've fallen short. Forgive me where I've lusted after this individual. Forgive me, Lord, if I've committed adultery. And you know if you have or not. We have got to confess our sins. I quote this verse so often because God's a good God. He's a good God, and he's ready to forgive. And 1 John 1, said, 1 John 1 9 says that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's even the unrighteousness of lust and adultery. God can forgive it all. But the thing is, are you going to give it to him? Or do you want to hang on to that little bitty bit? Say, oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. I, I can handle that within myself. You try fighting the devil by yourself, you're going to figure out you're going to lose every time by yourself. But if you will fight with the Lord, if you'll let him be, if you'll let him be your front guard, he will cover you like nothing else. He will give you the mind and the heart that you need to defend yourself against the wiles and the fiery darts of the evil one, as Scripture calls it. Be mindful. We need the Lord to guard our hearts because he knows our hearts better than anybody else, better than ourselves. He knows our hearts. So today, maybe you need to get your heart right with the Lord. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ so that you can fight these battles with the only one who has been victorious over it all, and that's Jesus Christ.